Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. And you get the Salesforce admin fired and then you walk in like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> oh, well, maybe be a little more um, tactical. Maybe ask the Salesforce admin, what do you think about this? Instead of going above their head. Yeah, that sounds like a better plan. Totally up to you. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, find out if being an end user of Salesforce at work would help you get your own Salesforce career. Yeah, hell yeah, that counts as experience. You have the perspective of the customer because you were the customer at one point. Also, Bradley helps a listener troubleshoot their job application techniques. I didn't get any of the jobs, but I'm not going to let that bring me down. I'm going to go apply for 200 more. And I just thought, well, that's great positive thinking, but that is a really bad strategy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In the last couple of episodes, we have been covering those fundamental sort of more basic Salesforce questions. And we've been taking questions from the audience and answering those here on the show. So in the last couple episodes, as mentioned, those were the basic questions. And in today's episode, we're going to be moving into more intermediate level questions. So these are for people two or three months into the process. You know, typically you've likely already got a certification or you're close to it. So you're thinking, you know, what's that next certification? I'm getting interviews, but I'm not getting job offers. I'm not getting interviews. What's wrong? Am I applying the wrong way? What's going on? So those are the questions or the types of questions we're answering today. And with me, I have Anita Smith to help answer these questions. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. How about yourself? Yeah, doing well. I think, uh, you know, that, that was really fun answering a lot of those entry level questions. Those are the ones we see a lot. So hopefully we can help answer a lot of those questions for the audience and help them move forward with a little bit less, I guess, tension breaking into the Salesforce space. Yeah, I wish this podcast existed when I first started because I had all those same questions and no one to ask them to, aside from Talent Soccer when I discovered that. But anyways, this first question is from someone who actually knows about Salesforce. So who knew about Salesforce before. The question is, what if my company uses Salesforce? Does that count as hands-on experience? Yeah. So to sort of frame this up a little bit, you know, getting hands-on experience is a key part of landing your first Salesforce job. And we've talked about that at length, you know, throughout this podcast about different ways to get hands-on experience and why you need it and how it really helps differentiate you when you're applying for those entry-level jobs. And even just having a month or two of something on your resume gives you infinitely more experience than other people who have no experience coming into these entry-level jobs. So it, it is really important. So to answer the question here, you know, what if I don't have admin experience or analyst experience or you know, that hands-on behind-the-scenes Salesforce experience, but the company I work at today uses Salesforce and I'm an end user, maybe you work in support and Salesforce is the tool you use for the support tickets or you work in you know, marketing or sales and you're using Salesforce day-to-day in your job, but you're not involved in the decision-making around what functionality gets added or what updates get made and those kind of things. 
does that count? So what I'll say is that this carries weight. It will give you a lot of leverage when you are interviewing for entry-level jobs. And the reason for that is because you just having an understanding of the way an end user uses Salesforce is going to help you better put yourself in their shoes and see what they're up against. And the important thing is you have to make sure this comes through. You have to showcase the value of that experience on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile, and in interviews. So you can have all the experience in the world, but if you don't know how to talk about it, then it's not going to be that valuable. And we've talked a few times about the importance of telling stories. So even though you don't have experience, say, as an administrator, you can still say, I worked on a project or I worked in a department where we used Salesforce in this way. And it was designed in such a way that it helped streamline that process and make it more efficient. And it helped us be more effective as support specialists or sales reps because we were able to use it in this very effective way. So you have to make sure that you're able to tell stories about how Salesforce was designed in a way that made you more effective as an end user. And that's really going to bring that experience to life because it's only quality experience if you can tell an interviewer or tell someone on LinkedIn why you think that experience makes you a better Salesforce professional. So that's sort of my take. What are your thoughts, Anita? Yeah. Hell yeah. That that counts as experience. I mean, you better be putting that on your LinkedIn and your resume that you're an end user comment like, you know, they always like numbers and stuff. So how big is your Salesforce org? What kind of Salesforce org? Like, is it sales cloud service? And then there's like all types of different layers you can add into there. But yeah, I mean, that is a lot of value. You have the perspective of the customer because you were the customer at one point. So you know what works, what doesn't work. And you're familiar with your company, like what processes they use. If you're an end user, you're probably submitting support tickets or maybe you're in sales and you're using that part of it. I mean, yes, that puts you far ahead of, of anyone who like like me, when I got in, I didn't know what Salesforce was. I didn't know what the front end looked like. You do. So definitely like bring that up because you also have the chance to explain how your company uses Salesforce. Maybe it's in a really efficient way and you can imply that to future companies or different projects. So yeah, 100%, it counts. I'll say too that the process that we try to outline at Talent Stacker is very much, you know, at first you're focused on getting the certification and working on your professional branding on LinkedIn. And then once you've done those two things, you're kind of moving into, okay, I'm certified. Now let me go get hands-on experience. So we've seen this done a few times where individuals work at a company that uses Salesforce and then on their own initiative, their own self-directed learning, they are going and getting Salesforce certified. And at that point, it can be a really great conversation starter to you know, try to get in contact with the Salesforce administrators at your company or whoever is directing the Salesforce team at the company and say, hey, you know, I know we use Salesforce and I actually just got Salesforce certified because you know, I'm really interested in the way it works and I thought it would make me a better end user to understand the mechanics of how Salesforce works. Is there anything I can do to help out or even projects I could shadow to try to see what you guys do you know, behind the scenes? Definitely don't want to step on any toes, but I would love to get more involved with how Salesforce works. And just showing that initiative, you know, I've heard of a few people within the Salesforce for Everyone Facebook group who have done that, and they've actually been transferred into Salesforce roles at the company they already worked for. 
And at the very least, you get involved in those conversations and it just creates a better you know, storytelling for you when it comes to heading into those interviews. And you can now talk seriously and honestly about the involvement you've had as a Salesforce professional at your company. Oh, taking one more step in that, if you know of something that's like wrong with the current Salesforce org in your company, go into a dev org and solution it and then present it. That's how you lock yourself in for that internal role. But anyways. <laughs> and you get the Salesforce admin fired and then you walk in like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> oh, well, maybe be a little more um, tactical. Maybe ask the Salesforce admin, what do you think about this? Instead of going above their head. Yeah, that sounds like a better plan. Totally up to you. You could just totally power play it. <laughs> up to you. All right. So let's go on the opposite end and talk about what do you do if you're being told you don't have enough experience in interviews? I like this question. And I think it's because you have to take a step back. A lot of times when we've gotten the certification and we've gotten some experience, whether that's in dev orgs or playgrounds or volunteer projects with companies or whatever it is, and now we're going into interviews and you're probably feeling a little uneasy. Like you feel a little bit of that. Am I good enough? Am I really prepared for this? And then you walk into those interviews and they confirm your worst fears, right? They're like, you don't have enough experience. But what I would say is take a step back here because typically it's not your experience that is the problem. And it's like, wait, what? That's like, once again, counterintuitive. They just told me I don't have enough experience. Clearly, I don't have enough experience. Well, I would argue that the fact that they invited you to the interview, they looked at your resume, they probably looked at your LinkedIn profile, and they said, we would like to spend our valuable time talking to you one-on-one to hear more about you filling this role and meeting the need for the company. That's interesting, right? Because your resume listed your experience and your LinkedIn profile listed your experience and it was enough until you interviewed with them. And then by the time you finished that interview, they decided you were not experienced enough. So what that should tell you is that it has something to do with the way you're communicating or storytelling or the level of confidence that you have while you're interviewing is convincing them that, While on paper, it looked like you had enough experience, it turns out you don't have enough experience based on what they're hearing from you. So you just have to do a better job. In my opinion, it's going to be, you know, 70 plus percent of the time, it's going to be a matter of preparing your story to be more compelling, better preparing for those interviews, just looking into the camera, being confident, sitting up straight, not moving around in your chair, all those things that show that, hey, I'm serious about this career. I've got what it takes. I am prepared. I am qualified. I am ready. I've got the experience. That's what they need to leave feeling that. You don't need to tell them that. You need to tell them things that help them feel confident that, okay, this person does have the experience we need. We're ready to make an offer. And something is falling apart in that interview process. What do you think, Anita? Yeah. (laughs) My answer might sound a little woo-woo. Not sure if that's like a real word, but I think that's real. That seems real. I hope people understand what I mean. But like your mindset and thinking positive plays a huge role. I mean, probably like, yes, they obviously think you are qualified because they brought you in for an interview. And when you go into that interview, you can't be giving off the energy like, oh, I'm really unqualified because people pick up on that stuff. They might not notice it like it might not be obvious to them, but like little things like your posture and stuff like that gives that away. So before any interview, in your mind, like think about just 
dominating the interview, landing the job and how like good you are and also practice. (laughs) So there's this famous TED talk about power poses. I highly recommend, but like doing power poses, which is either putting your your arms at your waist, like a superhero pose or have your hands up kind of like you're doing like the Y in the YMCA move right there. Doing that right before an interview really helps. It's weird that it works, but it works. So having a positive mindset, believing you can do the job is probably one of the main things you have to focus on before starting the actual interview because it does make a difference. Yeah, I we've said this a few times, you know, especially within the program materials when we're trying to give people that perspective. And I think when you're coming in, it's it's similar to what you just said, but it's you have to believe that you are a qualified Salesforce professional. You have to believe that first. If you think you are going to convince an employer that you're a qualified Salesforce professional, because if you don't believe it for yourself, then why should anybody else believe it about you? And I think a lot of people want to land a Salesforce job before they say, I am a Salesforce professional. But I would challenge you to get in the mindset of you already are a Salesforce professional. You're just waiting for someone to give you a job offer, but you're already qualified. You're already ready. You are good to go. Yep. 100%. All right. So next question is, I've applied for hundreds of jobs with little traction. Are you sure they're hiring? Yeah. So I've seen this a few times. I actually saw in the you know, again, I, you can tell I spend a lot of time in the Salesforce for Everyone Facebook group, but I, I saw somebody say, you know, I applied for 200 jobs. I didn't get any of the jobs, but I'm not going to let that bring me down. I'm going to go apply for 200 more. And I just thought, well, that's great positive thinking, but that is a really bad strategy. Like I would argue if you applied for 30 jobs and you didn't get some kind of feedback or an invite for an interview or or at least something especially just like a call with HR uh, you know to evaluate you something's wrong something's off with the resume with your LinkedIn profile and and it it doesn't mean you need to buckle down and do more while I think I applaud the mentality of all right I'm not going to let that get me down I'm going to double down and I'm going to get this thing done that's great but we need to have some strategy to what we're doing so we don't just waste our time And the other thing is you don't want to just land the neediest customer on the planet where you no one else is responding to you, but you apply 400 times. And finally, this one really needy company is like, okay, please come work for us. Like, is that really where you want to work? You want to be getting traction for the right reasons. So I would say, you know, apply for maybe 30 jobs. And if you're not getting any traction, we need to change the process. And where that's going wrong is, again, like I said, it's it's probably the resume or the LinkedIn profile. And we talked about both those topics in episodes one through eight. So if you want more details on those, I would sort of rewind back and, and go listen to the resume and professional branding episodes. The other thing would be is if you are getting interviews and you're showing up to those interviews and it's just not going well, the writing's on the wall. It's your interview prep, right? So once again, it's something about the preparation. This is a comprehensive approach. I'm going to do the worst thing in the world that I could possibly do. I'm going to make a a football analogy, a sports analogy. And so what I think of is like with any athlete, I'll pick like a football player. They could be crazy fast. Like let's imagine that the only skill they worked on was becoming really, 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 really fast, but they're not good at catching. They're not a good teammate. They can't jump. They don't know the plays. They don't understand the strategy that the team is trying to put in place, but they're crazy fast. 
they're not going to get the position. They're going to get cut from the team and they're never going to be a professional athlete. And the same goes for Salesforce careers. You can go get certification after certification after certification, and you can be the absolute best at taking certification exams, but you have no hands-on experience. You have no personal or professional branding on LinkedIn. You have not prepared for interviews at all. You're not interested in understanding the needs of the company or why they are hiring a Salesforce professional and how you're going to help them. You're never going to make the team. You can't just be really good at one thing. So make sure, you know, going back to episodes one through eight again, you know, look at those episodes. Just look at the titles. It's all about those things. It's about professional branding. It's about your interview prep. It's about your resume, you know, readiness. It's your hands on experience. It's everything that makes you successful in this, not being exceptionally good at one or two things. So that is my rant. What do you think, Anita? I mean, you are spot on. Like I read that, like applied for hundreds of jobs with little traction. That's like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If you're applying to 100 jobs and you have not gotten an interview, you need to reevaluate your process, experiment, try different things. Because I'm telling you, there are jobs out there, you're missing something in the process that will help you land an interview and eventually land a job. So 100% accurate on that part. Agree with everything you just said. Awesome. That's perfect. All right. So this next question is pretty much what everyone has on their mind as they're applying to jobs. So all the job postings say they need two to three years of experience. They say they require a college degree. And sometimes they even say they want multiple certs. Do we apply to those jobs or just ignore it? What is your opinion? Like, why do they keep asking those questions? Yeah. So it's it's confusing, right? Because you have us over here saying there's all these in- entry-level jobs available and you only need one certification and you just need a little bit of experience and that's plenty. And then they go out into the real world, right? And they're on Indeed and they're on LinkedIn jobs and they're looking at job descriptions and everything's saying, you know, requires. I mean, the heading for the section on the job description says requirements. And it's asking for degrees and two to three years experience and all this other stuff. I mean, everything. And then it's really, it's like, I cannot find any of these entry-level jobs that they're talking about. And I, I know we talked about this in our episode about job search strategy. The idea is that these companies really just don't know what they're doing when they're writing up these job descriptions. Just like many of the people listening to this podcast before hearing us talk about Salesforce, They didn't realize how in-demand Salesforce jobs were. They didn't realize how high-paying these jobs are. And a lot of times, the companies that are hiring Salesforce professional are also unaware. They don't realize that somebody with no Salesforce experience, with one certification, with no tech background, with no college degree, is absolutely going to get paid over $70,000. And that's hard for them to understand. They think, well, we have budgeted $80,000. And the director of marketing only makes $90,000. So we're probably going to be able to get an incredibly experienced Salesforce professional on the team for $80,000. And what they're going to get is a rude awakening. And they're going to get a lot of application. Hopefully, if you guys are following the steps we've outlined in this podcast and in the five-day challenge at talentstacker.com forward slash start, if you haven't taken the five-day challenge, make sure you sign up for that. If you're following the steps we've outlined in that challenge and in this podcast, you are applying for these jobs. When it says two years experience, you don't care. When it says college degree required, you don't care. 
when it says they want three certifications, you just ignore it. And what you're focused on is the actual things that they are asking for you to be able to do. And what you'll notice is a lot of times they'll say something like two years of experience required admin certification, a plus that is a red flag for they don't know what they need because anybody with two years experience is going to have multiple Salesforce certifications, not hopefully have one. You might notice something that says, we need somebody with two years of experience, but we need them to be able to create reports and dashboards, set up new users, you know, help us understand our data, set up automations. Like these are all basic functions of Salesforce, but they think we need somebody with all this experience. And so what's going to happen is if you follow the strategies that we're outlining, you're going to have probably a few people who apply for the job that really do have two years experience. And then you're going to have very few apply that are like you that don't have that much experience. And right now you're probably thinking, well, that sucks, Brad, because I'm not going to get the job. What's going to happen is they're going to interview a couple of those people with two years experience. And they're going to ask the question, you look like a great fit. This sounds great. What are your salary expectations? And the person with two years experience says, uh, well, currently I'm making 110000 to make this reasonable for me. I'm looking for 120000 to 125000 in this new role. And this company falls out of its chair because they have budgeted $80,000 for this job. And they thought that was going to get them something amazing. So they go to the next person with two years experience and they interview them and they say, wow, you look like a great fit. And then they ask for $120,000. And guess what they do next? They go, we have got to cut cost somewhere. We've got to find somebody who's cheaper. And the best way to cut cost is to look for someone with less experience. Well, they could put a new job description up and take new applicants and wait two to three weeks to see who applies. Or they could go ahead and look at the current applicants and the applicant stack and say, is there anybody in here with less experience that maybe applied even though we asked for two years experience? Did anyone apply? And then you're going to be there. And maybe just a couple of other people who listened to this podcast and took our advice and applied for the job, even though they didn't have the two years experience. And you are who they're going to interview next. They're going to hear about how you've gotten hands-on experience and how you've gone out of your way to do all of this yourself. They're going to look at your LinkedIn profile. It's going to look incredible. And you're going to have interview prep that is far beyond what anybody else is doing. When they interview you, you're going to sound amazing for someone that apparently has very little experience and you're going to get these jobs. And it sounds like it's isolated, right? It sounds like, yeah, well, maybe that sounds like a lot of what ifs, Brad, but you'll notice I didn't say if at all during that whole tangent. I'm just telling you facts because this is what we've seen throughout this process for not five or 10 people, hundreds of people, over a thousand people. We have seen this repeated. So it's not a guess. It's just a fact. And this is how it works in the Salesforce ecosystem. All right. I'll give you the floor, Anita. I had to get that off my chest. Could you tell? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So as someone who didn't listen to this advice, I almost didn't land my first job because when I looked at the actual posty, they was asking for four to five years experience. And of course I went, nope, not me. <laughs> but just because I was active on social media, i.e. LinkedIn, my boss decided to give a chance. He needed someone fast and I had the soft skills to be at the right place at the right time. And that's how I landed that job. But yeah, you guys ignore all the wish list stuff. I mean, if you're running into this, think about how many other people are also seeing this stuff and giving up right then and there. That's like an easy way for you to get in because you know, not as many people are applying because they're, they're seeing those requirements and they're just like, oh, no, not for me. But like Bradley said, most companies don't realize how expensive it is to have someone with 
all those qualifications and all that experience. So it sucks not being first choice, but whatever. It's your first role in the ecosystem. I'll take second choice or third choice, whatever. Just like, let me get my foot in the door and let me gain experience. All right. We did a lot today. I have one more question for you, Bradley. And this one, it's, I I know this affects a lot of people. So I wanted to get out there. Question is, I failed the admin exam. What do I do now? Should I give up? Yeah, this comes up a lot. And I think the first thing I'll say is that more than 50% of people fail the admin exam on their first attempt. So keep that in mind. That needs to be something that should be you know, a little bit comforting to you going into that first attempt. And you might say, well, well, why is that? Like if I've prepared for the exam, if I've gone through the steps, I've done the, you know, the trails on trailhead, I've done the the practice exams and I, I thought I was prepared. Why is it that 50% of people are failing the admin exam on their first attempt? A lot of it is because many of us haven't taken a multiple choice test in years. You know, uh, a lot of us over 10, 20 years, we haven't taken a sit down proctored multiple choice exam and our nerves just get to us a little bit in that environment. We're getting comfortable with the way the questions are asked. We're getting comfortable with the way the answers are formatted. And it's just getting exposure. I don't really know what to compare it to, but I think, you know, like a kid jumping into a swimming pool, like maybe off of a diving board for the first time. And when you're standing up there and you're looking down and you're getting ready to go, it's like, holy smokes, like it looks so simple from the outside. And now that I'm here, this is kind of a little bit overwhelming. But then once you do it the one time, you realize like, that's not so bad. Like that's actually kind of fun. I think I would like to do that again. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but I would say that is what it feels like. It feels like when you go in that second time, it's just like, all right, I got this. All the nerves are gone. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm ready to go. Let's get this thing done. Then you can focus on content and answering questions. So what do you do? Do you give up? No, you, you absolutely don't give up because actually the fact that you failed, it makes you very normal. What you do is you go Google Salesforce admin certification score checker. That's exactly what you're going to Google. Like write that down. Salesforce admin certification score checker. You're going to click on whichever link you find and you're going to enter in your scores. And that score checker is going to tell you what areas you need to focus on in order to pass the exam because different areas are weighted differently. So you could spend a lot of time in one area, but that might only get you 5% better. Or you could spend a lot of time in another area and that might get you 15% better uh, score on the exam. So you want to focus on the areas that are heavily weighted that you needed to do a lot better in. You're going to go back. You're going to restudy those sections. You might go back to those trails on trailhead and you know restudy those areas and make sure you understand the concepts. And I'll say the, the important thing is don't try to necessarily memorize the question that you got wrong and then go find the answer. You want to maybe write down or try to put to mental memory, what topic did you struggle with on the exam? Like what topic? And you want to go back and study those topics and make sure you truly understand them. You don't want to know the answer to a question. You want to understand conceptually how things work so that you can go back into the exam. And no matter what question you get, whether it's the same one or a totally different one on that same topic, you're going to know the answer this time and go back into that exam with confidence. So that would be my advice. And it would also be if you're close, like you need a 65 to pass. I would say if you make like a 60, something like that, try to get it scheduled right away. Don't let it linger. Don't wait two or three months, like study for a week, study for two weeks, get back into it quickly, take it again. You're going to pass it. All right. That's my take, Anita. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think the important part is to to recognize that failing the admin exam isn't that big of a deal. You'd be surprised at how many MVPs, how many like 
people who've been in the ecosystem have like 10x, 20x certifications that failed exams. I mean, I happened to pass the admin one first try, but there are other ones that I've failed multiple times. So it's completely normal. Don't feel bad about it. It happens. It's a tricky exam, especially if you're a bad test taker. It takes a little more effort, but don't let that get you down. It's kind of like a rite of passage, eventually failing a a Salesforce certification exam. So that is all I have for today. I'm excited for next week's episode where we have a little more detailed questions for those who are like working and um, already a Salesforce pro because that's where I'm at. And I'm sure a lot of the questions that everyone else has are the same ones I have. Yeah, I'm really excited for the next episode too. You know, this is really for all the Salesforce professionals out there who have been listening to this and probably wishing they had a podcast like this when they started their careers. But for everyone out there who's already got a Salesforce job and you're thinking, where's my episode? Like, when are you going to talk to me? The next episode is for you. And for everyone who doesn't have a Salesforce job yet, this is going to be huge because we're going to be answering a lot of those questions that existing Salesforce professionals wish they would have asked before they landed that first job, like how to make sure you're negotiating to get the pay scales that we talk about, or you know, maybe how to pivot into freelancing or what certifications come next after that admin certification, things like that. So we're going to be moving into topics that are very important, no matter where you're at on this journey, but they're specifically those questions that we got from the audience that were already Salesforce professionals and they're interested in that next step. So as always, if you're getting value from this podcast, you're enjoying the episodes and the content that we're delivering, please make sure to subscribe. And if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and leave us a five-star review and catch us on next week's episode. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this scrappy can-do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.